Thank you. Take your seats. It's really a great pleasure to be with you um, this morning, to be able to come um, and share. As I look around, there are faces from the past, um, which is a, a really great encouragement and, and makes me think of, I'm thankful for the blessings um, in my past and the people who have had influence um, on me, um, especially maybe over the last 20 to 25 years. So I'm grateful to God for the theme that we've been thinking about so far um, this morning. Um, and thank you for your welcome, Roseanne, to, to Brian as well, um, for, for their prayers this morning. Um, I'm a Methodist minister. I know that you won't hold that against me. I think there are probably some friends in this place as well who can, uh, who can relate to, to that background um, in their lives. Um, uh, I served as a pastor in a local churches for about 11 years, and then uh, for five years as the, the chaplain um, at Queen's, um, as Methodist chaplain at Queen's, which was... Uh, a really fantastic opportunity because I know that university life had such a massive influence on me and on my faith and uh, it was such a, a privilege to be in that place. Uh, and then for the last six months I've been working in Edsel College which is a theological college um, for, the, for the Methodist Church um, where we seek to uh, train and resource people for ministry, both ordained ministry and, and lay ministry in the life um, of the church and it's a, a privilege to be uh, involved um, there as well. I'm also, and how I, I guess how I've got to know Dave is um, through the Arrow Leadership Programme, which I've been involved with as well for a number of years, and that's part of, of Dave's um, background and, and history um, too. So that's just to kind of give you a, a little picture. Uh, I'm married to Ruth, and I have, I have two kids, uh, Hannah and Daniel, who will come up uh, in the course of what we say um, and think about um, later on. I have great admiration for Dave Dunlop. I'm so glad that you'll be Delighted to welcome him back uh, tomorrow. Mark said to me beforehand, it's tomorrow, it's down to ours until he, uh, <laughs> until he, he comes back. I've got great admiration for Dave. He, he's a man of, of wisdom and insight. And after this morning, I think you will definitely be glad that he's back again. Um, I'm, I'm hoping there's no kind of technique on his part on that front. Um, let, me, uh, let me read uh, for us uh, from God's word. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1. And reads um, the first uh, nine verses. So it's 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, um, verses uh, 1 to 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech 
and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that your word is a living word to us, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we pray that as, to, as we come together to reflect on your word, to think through your word, um, we pray that you will speak into our hearts afresh by your Holy Spirit, that you will point us again to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, and that you will encourage and challenge us as we seek to be your people in this world, seeking to show and, and to, uh, to communicate your kingdom to those around us for your glory. Amen. Amen. So this is a season of, of looking forward, and uh, in these next few days, we, we come into this time that in many parts of the church, um, we call um, Advent. And so I, I don't know what it is that you might be looking forward to. Um, I wonder to what extent Dave is looking forward to um, taking up the reins again um, t- tomorrow. And I'm, I'm sure he is. Um, I've had the, the privilege of a sabbatical myself. And as you come towards the end of that, you, there's a part of you just can't wait to get back in there again and to get back involved again. It's such a time of, of blessing, of rest and re-envisioning. And I'm sure that's the place that Dave is in, looking forward. And what is it then that we are looking forward? Well, looking forward, I suppose, has been in my mind ever since um, Dave asked me to speak this Sunday. And as I, as I saw what Sunday it was, it just towards the end of November, coming in December, all of the, the stuff about Christmas that we think of and we reflect upon. It's, it's these words that were pressed in my, in my mind. So what are we looking forward to? Well, maybe you're, you're a little bit like me, the sort of person who works on lists. And you're, you're always looking forward to the end of the list, the things that, you know, that, that moment in time when you might well finish doing all the things that you think you need to do and you suddenly realize that that really just never happens. It just never happens. But I, I'm kind of like that. I, I like lists, but how I wish sometimes for the end of the list. I look forward to the end of the list. Maybe we look forward to the holidays. Maybe it's been a busy season. We think, you know, another couple of weeks and we'll, we'll get to the end. It'll be time to kind of sit back and to, to rest and to put our feet up. We, we look forward um, to the holidays. Maybe we're the sort of person who lives for the weekend. We kind of work hard during the week. We go uh, nine to nine every day. We, we, we work hard and we just, we just look forward to the weekend because sometimes our working lives can be uh, a real challenge to us. 
Maybe it's the family time that we look forward to. We look forward to being with our spouse. We look forward to being with our family. We look forward to being with our children. For, for us as a family, over these last few weeks, we have a, a little girl. She's not little anymore. Um, she's, she's 10. Um, Hannah has been doing her, her AQE. And so yesterday was a day to look forward to. It was a day to, uh, that she's been looking forward to for months now as she's been doing these tests and, and going through them in school and then especially over the last few weeks doing, doing the, the different papers and looking forward to the end. Maybe we're looking forward to the end of treatment. Maybe we've journeyed through ill health and maybe we look forward to a moment when we might find relief, comfort, when, when we might enter a new season um, or a different moment. There are things for all of us that we look forward to. And in this season, um, we look forward to Christmas. This is a, a special time of preparation. We look forward to celebrating that God became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. That God came here as a tiny baby, the, uh, the baby Jesus, and grew to be our saviour, to give his life for us upon the cross. To die and to rise again. And so we, we remember in this season that, that God came in Jesus Christ. But it's also a season where we remember the promise that one day he will come back again. That Christ is the source of our hope not just for life here, but for all eternity, that death has been defeated. And so Advent, this season of preparation, is about remembering the first coming, but it also, in a sense, looks forward to that second coming, when, when all things will come to fruition. But in the meantime, we wait. We look forward. In all of the joys and sorrows of life, through the good days and the difficult days, on the days when circumstances are light and on the days in which circumstances can be dreary or dark or demanding, we look forward. We are a people who look forward. And I think that as Paul thought of the church in Corinth, as he wrote to these people whom he loved, I think he looked forward to better times. And I think they looked forward to better times too. I'm sure many of us will be familiar with the story of the church in Corinth. Paul spent a good 18 months there, evangelizing, discipling, instructing, encouraging them, and introducing them to Jesus, helping them to grow in their trust and understanding of who Jesus was as their Savior. But sometime after he left Corinth, word came back that all was not well within the life of this young church. And he also received a letter from Corinth asking for help. Factions had developed. There was moral failure in the life of the, of the church. Their worship had suffered. There was selfishness. There was greed. There was a, a degree of snobbery within the life of the body. There was little discipline. There was an unwillingness to submit to authority. There was a lack of humility. They were into, some of them were into the big and the dramatic gifts. They were pretty much short on love. And as we read um, this letter, it's a somewhat sobering challenge to any church today because we remember that we are made up of imperfect human beings. And the challenge for us is that all of Corinth's challenges have the potential to be our challenges too. 
as we try to work out what it is to be the people of Christ in a broken world where we daily live our lives. Yet look at these words that Paul says to the church in Corinth. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Now, if I had been Paul, I'm, I'm not often the most subtle of characters. I might have been straight and they're going, what are you doing? What's going on? I've heard all of these stories. You mustn't do this. You mustn't do that. You've got to sort this out. But thankfully, Paul's approach is not my approach. He looks at the church and he looks at them as they are in Christ. He is thankful for that church and he is thankful for God's grace at work amongst them. So I want us to reflect on some words of encouragement that Paul offers to the church in Corinth and which God's word offers to us as the church of Jesus Christ um, this day. The first thing he says, the first thing that I've picked out that, that, that he says, you have been enriched. Verse 5, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. What does it mean to be enriched? Well, it means to be enhanced. Something that is enriched is made valuable. We might even say something that has been enriched has been made beautiful. I don't know how into cooking you are. I don't mind having a little go. Uncle Ben's always a really great friend. Um, but uh, for any of us who, who, who might watch MasterChef, my little boy likes watching MasterChef. Um, he just loves it. Um, you'll see that those guys who are experts, they have the ability to work out exactly what is in some of those uh, fantasy dishes that you see when you watch those sorts of programs. Now, you know, they, they can taste something and they can, they can pick out the exact ingredients. And if something is wrong, they will say, it's missing something, it's missing the key ingredient. And they'll be able to identify what it is. And to be enriched in some ways is to have the key ingredient added in. And for us, the key ingredient in our lives is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. Jesus is the one who is the key ingredient. As we think of, of the gospel message, that Jesus came and died for us and rose again, it is Jesus who makes all of the difference. To be enriched is to know Christ in our lives. And Paul goes on. To be enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and all kinds of knowledge. And the word speech there is, is, is the word logos. The word. The word. You, you know the word in your lives. And you have knowledge. And I guess that was a, that was a bit of a big deal in Corinth. Because there were those who, who thought they had superior knowledge. There was a, a problem with a, a heresy called Gnosticism in the life of this young church. And it was the idea that some people had more knowledge than others. But Paul's saying... You have all you need in Christ Jesus. You have the word and you have the knowledge. You have the knowledge. Jesus is the word and Jesus is the knowledge. Jesus makes the difference pure and simply. Not our fine words, not our great ideas. 
it is, the, is it, it is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God made himself clearer to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes this church or any church his church. That's what makes his church beautiful, enriched, enhanced. It's the key ingredient of Jesus. And it's the presence of Jesus that confirms the truth of the good news of the gospel. It is Christ who brings transformation to our, to our lives and to all that we're about. We have been enriched. And so that gives us hope as we look forward. We have been enriched because of what Christ has done for us. You have been enriched. I can say that as a visitor. You have been enriched because of what Christ has done on the cross for each and every one of us. You have been enriched. The second thought that I want us to to focus on is this in in verse 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. You do not lack. The presence of the key ingredient, the presence of Jesus, means that we lack nothing. And God and his grace gifts us in every way that we need. We have at our disposal every necessary resource to be the people of God in this world. And of course, Paul unpacks this later um, in this letter um, to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, as he gets into a discussion around um, the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the the role of the body of Christ, um, the church, here are some of the the things that, that he reminds the church in Corinth about. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. God has gifted his church. God has gifted um, his body with all that we need. And later on he says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is made up of one, not of one part, but of many. So we as the people of God, as we come together with our differences from our different backgrounds, from our different ways of looking at things, from our, sometimes our different understanding, but in Christ we have been gifted and enriched and we do not lack anything. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And he goes on and explains what some of the gifts are that God has blessed his church with. I know it's a really obvious thing to say, but when Paul says, you do not lack, he's not speaking to individuals. And often we, when we read the scriptures and, and you know, I read and I, you know, I think it's amazing, it's, you, it, say, it says to me, I do not lack. And I know that, that I do not lack because of God's blessing. But it's obviously spoken to a, a community. 
the letter is written to, to a group of people. And so the word says to us, you do not lack. You do not lack what you need to be my people. We are united in Christ and we have all that we need at our disposal to live for Christ. I'm so excited to hear about your, your, your plans to pray over these next 40 days, to seek God's heart as you think about the future. Windsor Baptist has all that it needs at its disposal to be witnesses for the kingdom of God in this street, in this community, in this part of the city, right across the city. We have all that we need. You have all that you need to fulfill God's calling. Sometimes our temptation is, well, we're not like that church over there. Or we, we don't have the resources that they have. Or we don't have the buildings that they have. Or we can't do this. Or we have this problem. Or we have this challenge. But God's word says, you do not lack. You do not lack um, just over 10 years ago, I was sent, because Methodists get sent places, and uh, some, some, some people say not far enough, um, uh, I was sent to, to be the, the minister of uh, two churches, one in Newtonards and a, a little Methodist church in Cumber, and about, um, the, the, Com- the Methodist church in Cumber hit the headlines ooh, 15 years ago or so, um, because they demolished their church building, and, and you might say, well, that, that's, you know, not... Uh, why was that particularly headline grabbing? It's because it was done overnight, right? So the, the building was there one day, and people walking up and down the street, and the next morning, up and down the street at seven o'clock in the morning, the building was down, right? So you can imagine what that might have done um, to the church. The kind of little bit of the back, I do not have time to tell you the whole story. The little bit of the background to it was the building was actually unsafe. And the congregation for a number of years had been wrestling with what they were going to do. I mean, it was a relatively small uh, number of people, um, although they had seen some really good things happen. And God had been at work in that place. Um, and they were trying to raise money to, to, to sort out uh, the challenge. But some um, well-meaning people in the local community, and I have to say, I'm a historian by background. That was my kind of first love um, academically. But there were some people in a local historical society who never went near the doors of the church, but they got wind that actually this building was going to maybe be demolished. And so they were writing letters saying this should be listed and we shouldn't allow the Methodist church to take this building down and so on. So this debate was going on and, and they made a decision and they said, we need to get the building down. And the leaders meeting made a decision one evening and um, within two hours, there was a bulldozer on the site taking the... <laughs> It's, which, when you look back at it for 15 years, it is, it is kind of comical in some sort of way. I hope this has not been recorded. Um, but when I, I know it is, when I, when I arrived um, sort of five or six years later, there had, for want of a better way of describing it, that whole thing was a car crash. It, it was an, relationally was a car crash for that particular church because... Um, there were folk who didn't know that this was going to happen so quickly. They, there were people who grew up in that place and, and, and had so, so many affection, affectionate memories in terms of the building, in terms of marriages and, and baptisms and people coming to faith and all sorts of people's stories bound up in that, in that building itself. 
And so this came as not just a great shock, but a tremendous hurt as well. Overnight, I think half the congregation left. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was just a complete car crash. And I arrived into this scenario probably six or seven years later. And, the, the, and I guess I heard a lot about this. I just listened. And I, and I heard a lot about this and about what had happened and the pain, which was all to be affirmed and all to be kind of dealt with. Uh, my, my question was, but where do we go now? Are we just going to spend our time uh, crying about what has happened and been done? And we want to acknowledge that. We want to forgive those who caused hurt. And we want to um, acknowledge our own part in the midst of all of that. But, you know, the question that just came into my head was, is God finished with us? Because if we can't move on from this, well, then actually the answer is probably yes. Yes, we just need to break up and go other places. But actually we decided, you know what, no, God is not finished. And at the time I got there, it's, it's pretty much an, an elderly congregation. I was the youngest member by probably about 20 years. There were some families who had a loose affiliation with the place. Um, but we started to explore, okay, God, where, where are you leading us? What, what can we do? We're not going to become the all-singing, all-dancing bigger church up the street. We're not going to be doing radical youth work, given the makeup of, of the congregation. There was no great massive revival, so that's, you know, I'm not telling you that that place is bunged to the doors now, and people are fighting to get their way in there. We didn't suddenly become wealthy. Um, they continued to disagree with things, about things with each other and, and work, try to work out, you know, where is it that God is leading us? But they did regain, and we did regain together, something of hope. And why did we do that? We did that because of Christ. Because we realized that we didn't lack anything. God had given us all that we needed. And so we needed to start to think through, what does that mean for us? Um, with a little bunch of ladies who probably saw themselves as my surrogate mother, many, all of them together. Um, uh, and they decided they would open the church hall, which is what we then used to worship in, on a, on, a, on a Monday morning for coffee and scones. And people just started to come in, which is really amazing. This one wee lady turned up one morning and said, my social worker told me to come here. <laughs> Brilliant. Come, come on in. And there was just little amazing stories like that that reminded us and reminded me as I thought about this that we do not lack. We may think we do, but we do not lack. So for Windsor Baptist, what are your questions? What are your challenges next door to a spiritless church? The challenges of, of what does it mean to be Christ's people in this, in this context? What does it mean to, to, to be on the Lisburn Road? Uh, and you know, for, for, the, for the people from many different backgrounds, many different parts of the world who live uh, in this part of the city, lots of students around as well, professionals and, um, and, and families. What does it mean? How are we impacting the community? Here is the word to us. You do not lack. You do not lack. You do not lack. The next thing, we're nearly done, I promise. He will keep you firm to the end. He will also keep you firm to the end 
so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look forward, as we eagerly await, we know that we lack nothing. We have the key ingredient, Jesus Christ. We have been enriched in every way. But we also know it can be tough going at times. Everyone and every community faces challenges and difficulties. And in those times, we so look forward, we so look forward to things being different. At the start of November, Hannah, our 10-year-old, said to me, Daddy, I just wish it was the end of November. I just wish it was the end of November. And here we are. She's just about woken up by the time I got up um, this morning. But it was the end of November. Um, just the other day, our students in the college sitting around, and there's one of them who has a countdown timer on her phone. Not, not until Christmas time, but actually until our deadline for submission of assignments, which is the 5th of January. And she's going, 37 days. I've got 37 days to get these assignments done. She eagerly awaits that day. I think of, of another friend of, of Ruth and mine who, during the middle of, of 2014, has undergone treatment for cancer and we know that 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 at the start of that treatment which is really quite serious um quite quite serious cancer and treatment that she needed that she so looked forward to the end of that chemotherapy and then that radiotherapy and she had in mind those dates that she needed um, to, um, to to attend and she so looked forward wishing it was over And sometimes our eagerness fades and we have to persevere to the end. Well, here's the promise. He also will keep you firm to the end. And it was spoken to the church in Corinth and they were facing problems and challenges as well as good things that that were happening. And Paul says, he also will keep you firm to the end. And what comes into my mind, of course, as well is, is Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scoring at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I do a bit of running. I know that it's good for me. It's good for me physically. It's good for me spiritually. It's a bit of a spiritual discipline, to be honest. I worship. I pray. I reflect. I I talk to God, and hopefully I listen to God too. But running is hard. I'm an asthmatic, and so it's it's good for me physically, but it's hard to do because you're doing this all of the time. Um, And it's frustrating when I can't run. So this time of year, it can be difficult because you get little colds and all sorts of stuff going on. Anyway, but I set myself targets, 5Ks, 6Ks, 8Ks, 10Ks on a really, really good day. And there's something in that about digging in a grit and determination to finish the race. And we dig in, but we dig in knowing that he will also keep us firm to the end. In the spiritual life, it is God who keeps us firm. It is God who enables us to endure It is God who calls us and he says you're blameless on the day because you're covered by Christ. Because you're covered by what Jesus 
has done for you. And so we persevere because he will also keep us firm. And then to finish off, in verse 9, Paul says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we head towards the Christmas season, as we face the increasing challenges of what it is to be followers of Christ in this world. And there are some days and weeks as they go by and you, you watch the news and you think of the stuff that's going on, both in our own community here in, in, in Belfast and Northern Ireland and across the world. You think, where are we going? What is going on in this world? How do I be a good parent to my children? How do I be a good husband? How do I influence my, my kids for Christ in this world? How do I explain to them some of the things that I see in the news that just melt my head often? But as we think about the increasing challenges of being followers of Christ in this world, we remember that God is faithful. As we endure, as we persevere, God is faithful. And we, we can remember that faithfulness especially when we see that God has called us into fellowship together in Christ. It can be hard to wait on our own, never mind eagerly await on our own. Looking forward is made a lot more straightforward when we remember that we don't do it alone, but that we do it together. That we do it together. And we can think of, of testimonies, of stories from the scriptures where we think of people who, who endured to the end and knew the faithfulness of God. The, the people of Israel constantly remembered what God had done for them, how God had brought them out of Egypt. They, they were constantly going back and thinking of that story and said, God is faithful. And as they faced challenges, they remembered, God is faithful. You go and you, you read, and it's a good thing to read at this time of the year, you go to Matthew 1 and read the genealogy of Jesus and you'll see the faithfulness of God generation after generation. You read Hebrews 11 and you'll see there that, that great role of faith and we see that God is faithful. And we think of the stories for those who, who have been part of this place for many, many years, for those who have only been part of it for a short time, maybe part of other fellowships, we think of stories of people who, were, who have been faithful and who have known God's faithfulness amongst them. There was nothing that the church in Corinth needed to hear more and nothing more than we need to hear that God is faithful and calls us together in Jesus Christ. God is faithful and calls us together in Jesus Christ. So as we journey into this season of Advent, as we look forward to Christmas, not just to the, the, the family time and the celebration that we have around Christmas, but also to the fact that we look forward to remembering again that God became flesh and dwelt among us. As we look forward to that, as we look forward knowing the promise that, that Christ promises always to be with us, we know that, that Christ promises that, that he will come back again. As we look forward, as we look forward, we remember that we have been enriched as a community of Christ, that we lack nothing, that he also will keep us firm to the end, that God is faithful. God is faithful.
faithful. Let's be still and, uh, and pray together. And let's think on those things that maybe we look forward to. Maybe it's the the end of the list, if you're like me. Maybe it's uh, the end of some sort of journey that we've been on in our lives. Maybe we look forward to uh, a rest. Maybe we look forward to, to holiday time. But most of all, we look forward to knowing afresh in our lives what Christ has done for us. We look forward to that time when Christ will return and call his people to himself. But in the meantime, we wait. We wait. And we serve. And we seek the glory of God in our lives and in this community. Father, we thank you that you have enriched us in every way. We thank you that because of Jesus, there is nothing that we lack. We thank you that you keep us firm to the end for the journey that we're on together, but also the journey that we go on in our individual lives. And so help us to commit into your hands those things that we need to persevere through, those things that we find a challenge, those things we find tough. Help us to know the presence of Jesus, your son, in the midst of all those things. And help us most of all to know that as we look forward we can be thankful for all that you have given to us and we can be thankful that you are faithful you are faithful through Jesus Christ your son our Lord Amen Thanks, John, for everything that you shared with us this morning. Before we sing our closing song, can I just remind you to get one of the 40 Days leaflets if you haven't already picked it up. And it starts tomorrow, so set it somewhere that will will remind you. Please stand to sing together, Light of the World. Mm